The Digital Gumbo Podcast contains language that some may find offensive. Listener discretion is advised. Well, now we're done with that shit. Let's start the show. For the victory lap, though. Whoa, whoa. They ain't never seen nothing like this before. Lit the room when I came through the front door. Ask me if I should suffer, come. Welcome in, welcome in, welcome in. Thanks so much for joining us. My name is Nookie Bishop Jr. This is a little thing we call the Digital Gumbo Podcast. Thanks so much for being here with us. As always, joined by my co-host T. Petty and Adrice Elbow. T. Petty, what a week that it was. How you doing? Checking in on you first and foremost. How you feeling this week? Uh, this has definitely been yet another week from hell in the hell that is 2020. But, you know, in Rona adjusted terms, I'm doing all right. All right. All right. I appreciate that. Okay. You got the adjusted scoring. I, I feel that. So on a 2020 <laughs> scale, you, you're doing good. That's great. I'm glad to hear that. Adrisa Elbow, my main man. What to do? The countdown clock is on for these babies to go back to school, man. You enjoying your, your last bit of vacation for the kids go back to school? Yeah, man, it's wrapping up. It's about to be the last kind of weekend of like the summer, last week of summer before, you know, the holiday hit. So I'm trying to take advantage of it. I'm trying to um, go out of town somewhere. But, um, you know, I'm going to try to stay safe while I do it, which I don't know if that's possible or not. But I got to I got to get out my house. I hear that, man. And four walls, man. I mean, we've been doing this remotely, you know, since March, since our old studio shut down. So. Shout out, as always, to producer E for, you know, um, getting this podcast together and making this technologically uh, possible uh, during these tough, tough circumstances. And we wish you and yours uh, the very best every week, but uh, throughout the rest of this year as well. So um, we just got to get to it. Uh, You know, it's one of those uh, moments like, where were you when you found out? Uh, I was with my family and it was uh, Friday night uh, when I got uh, a text uh, and an email uh, saying that the late great. Chadwick Aaron Bozeman had passed away. Black Panther died at the age of 43. And then when I read the text and the email saying that he had passed away from colon cancer, was totally shocked. And then even furthermore shocked that um, he said that his, you know, the statement said that his wife and his family was with him. Just totally in shock, was not able to comprehend it in any way, shape, or form. So rest in peace to King T'Challa, Chadwick Bozeman, who represented his art and his craft so, so well. T. Petty, I'm going to hand it off to you and, you know, just want to get uh, your thoughts on the passing of Chadwick Boseman. Oh, man, that was devastating. I was not expecting to be to for that to, like, affect me. Like, I knew him personally because obviously I didn't. But, I mean, it was a blow in a year that has been full of blows. Um, So to know that he had been battling colon cancer for four years so during the filming and all the work that goes into making a blockbuster film the promo doing his own stunts like and not just for one film but for several films in that time span it's like he wanted to make sure that he used all of his talent in the time that he had left on this earth what a light what a light um i think it speaks to him as a person and 
his judgment and the fact that in four years, none of us heard a word about what was going on with him. His squad was tight. May any of us hope to have the kind of friends and family that he had around him that loved him enough to keep his business personal. So um, a great, great loss. It's going to be a while, I think, before we get over this one. So R.I.P. Chadwick, Aaron Bozeman, you will be missed. Absolutely, absolutely. You talked about that veritable grand slam of films that he's had in the past four years. Get on up. Uh, uh, James Brown, he played James Brown in that movie. Uh, he had 42, where he played uh, Jackie Robinson and also uh, played um, Thurgood Marshall uh, in Marshall, which was filmed in my hometown of Buffalo, New York. In fact, I like to joke with people that me and Chadwick was co-workers, at least for a little bit of time. The Many of the scenes that were filmed uh, for Marshall were filmed on the steps of City Hall, where I once worked. So um, definitely, definitely uh, a big, big loss. And, and those four uh, films in that time when he was battling colon cancer uh, even sparkle that much more brightly. Uh, Drees, your thoughts, man. Chadwick Boseman, great actor, great human being, wonderful laugh. I've enjoyed all the times. Uh, I've seen the video clips with him laughing. Um, from the heart, just your thoughts on the passing of Chadwick Boseman, bro. My king, my king. Uh, this was a hard one. T. Petty said it. It hit me um, really hard. And I think the reason that it does is because he embodied the spirit of a king. If you think about all the folks that he played, you had to be that. So this is a big loss. Rest in peace, king. Absolutely. Absolutely, man. Just uh, again, one of those where were you moment when when you heard that and you take a look now at all his press interviews and just the tremendous physical shape that he had to be in to play King T'Challa, to play Jackie Robinson, to play a young James Brown, to play Thurgood Marshall, and to be going through all of that. Uh, T. Petty made reference to it earlier in terms of not a single solitary note was sung by anybody in his camp. Um, hats off and tremendous, tremendous uh, kudos to them. Uh, not even Spike Lee. Uh, who um, Chadwick filmed The Five Bloods with, knew that Chadwick Boseman was sick. Uh, in the tweet that um, Spike Lee sent out, someone asked in the tweet thread, did you know that he was sick while you were filming The Five Bloods? And Spike Lee replied with two words, nobody knew. So hats off to that brother. He is example 101. In terms of when you interact with someone, you never know what someone is going through, um, even on a, from a small scale to a large scale like that. And that brother gave everything that uh, he had uh, for his art. And, um, you know, we uh, I think we made reference to this before when we were talking about uh, Black Panther 2 on a previous episode that uh, we showed up and we showed out, uh, bought out a theater, the nice seats, too, for uh, Black Panther. And we all got together. And uh, made me happy at the same time, but was also sad. And just uh, going through, uh, T. Petty, you attended, um, and uh, Drees, you attended with the fam, and we were all together. And what a seminal moment it was for all of us. And now that moment takes uh, even more great weight uh, now that uh, Chadwick Boseman has left this earth. So he has his art with us. Um, I remember when I went to see Black Panther, I, I didn't go that Thursday night at open. But I went at an 8 a.m. showing Friday morning, sold out. 
the theater had 13 screens. They all showed Black Panther, all sold out. And then uh, went a couple more times that week. And I think I've seen the film since it's been on home video about 12 or 13 times. And I'm going to watch it 12 or 13 more times and uh, check out that brother's brilliance. So uh, from all of us here at the Digital Gumbo Podcast, uh, our heart goes out to his family and to his wife. And uh, rest in peace, Chadwick Boseman. I want to touch on one thing, Nookie, that you said when you were talking about you never know what somebody's going through. I remember um, it might have been earlier this year, maybe it was late last year, but Chadwick Boseman did an Instagram live, and he was very, very thin. You could see his face was like sunken, and I remember people making jokes about it. Asking if he was on crack, like just out of pocket kind of stuff. And um, I can't remember if he cut the live or if he cut the comments, but he he didn't do any more lives after that that I can remember. And he took down the few pictures that he had that showed that he had lost a lot of weight. And I remember us sort of saying, like, man, like, is he sick or like maybe he's doing it for a part? Um, but nobody that we knew at least not in my hearing, like made jokes like that. And now people are feeling real bad. So that just goes to show you need to keep your mouth off of people. You don't know what the hell people are going through. And you know, I talk more shit than a little bit about all kinds of stuff. But um, when it comes to stuff like that, people need to be more mindful because the tongue is a powerful thing. So just want to throw that out there as a reminder. Um, in the wake of losing someone of this magnitude. Absolutely. And T. Petty, you hit that on the mark. You know, uh, the elders always say, you know, well, one, the old adage is, if you ain't got nothing nice to say, keep your mouth closed. But two, the elders always say, you know, don't talk about somebody, you know, pray for him. And uh, that brother definitely needed his prayer, needed our prayers while he was alive. And I'm glad that he was here to get all the flowers uh, while he was alive from all of his, all of his films. And uh, again, it's just a, a notice for the general public. Like you say, people of our ilk and in our circles, we don't do things like that. But just a reminder for people to check themselves and, and pray and, um, you know, offer a moment of silence and pray for somebody who might be going through something that you may not be able to comprehend. Drees, man, your final thoughts on the passing of, uh, of Chadwick Boseman, bro. Yeah, I just want to point out to, you know, Nook, you know, and T. Petty, we all went to the um, theater, you know, you know, brought it out. Um, I also want to add, we dressed up as well, right? Like we were like dressed up. We were like really into it. And I think that's why people feel it so hard. The other thing I want to highlight is like what an inspiration he was to young people. You know, I was able to go with my daughter and she dressed up like a Dora Milaje. And just the power in that is amazing. So that's the other thing we have to remember the inspiration he was to, to everybody. Absolutely. Absolutely. Spot on, man. And, um, you know, um, I'm not sure if his homegoing service will be private or public, but uh, in any event, um, you know, great, great man. Um, you know, just so many connections with Howard University and Felicia Rashad and Denzel Washington and so many stories that will continue to come to light of what a great and brilliant and powerful man he was. And again, just absolutely love those uh, snippets of uh, his laughter deep from the soul and uh, a great, great Man, so uh, rest in peace, Chadwick Boseman, and rest in peace, uh, King T'Challa. And again, one of the lines from that movie that's going to resonate forever is, death is better 
than bondage. So that uh, has a profound meaning on the life in America for black people in 2020. So rest in peace, Chadwick Boseman. I'm going to go ahead and try and switch gears here. I'm going to take it over to the basketball front, folks in the D.C. community and really uh, nationwide. Uh, John Thompson II, uh, who was the head men's basketball coach at Georgetown University, also passed away this week. Very, very sad. Um, I listened to uh, a number of pundits wax political on um, John Thompson. One, I have forgot that he won two championships with the Boston Celtics. And I just forgot, I know they called him Big Big John, but he's 6'10 and uh, won two rings with the Celtics and then uh, coached at St. Anthony High School in the D.C. area and then on for a super illustrious career uh, at uh, Georgetown. First African-American Division I men's head coach to win a championship, a Hall of Famer in so many respects. And I thought about, one, these college coaches now who meant these black basketball millionaires, that's for one. But I thought about how many Hall of Famers for Alonzo Mourning, uh, Dikembe Mutombo, Patrick Ewing, and Allen Iverson that John Thompson coached. So that's one. And then back in the day in the 80s, I didn't know much about Georgetown University, really didn't start to think about college in my family until a different world and those shows came out. But before I knew about the history of Georgetown University, I thought Georgetown was a HBCU, all the brothers with the Georgetown jackets and the Hoya hats and the blue and gray Nikes and, and on and on and on. I really thought Georgetown was a black university, obviously named Georgetown because of the first president of the United States. But he took that program and put it on the map. And uh, so many uh, brothers came out of that program. And uh, really, I thought it was an HBCU until I, I found out a little bit more. But T. Petty, your thoughts? Uh, I know you're a basketball junkie. Just your thoughts on the passing of uh, John Thompson this week. Man, I was heartbroken. Like George Thompson or George John, John Thompson was like a giant. I remember um, so right around the time I like really, really got into basketball, I might have been like eight or ten years old. And that was a team uh, Reggie Williams was a player, number 34. God, why do I even still remember that? Um, but I remember watching when they run one uh, or played in, you know, those the Big East Championship games, those runs he made. Of course, the AI era, the, the Patrick Ewing era, the Lonzo Mourning era. And uh, I saw a clip of AI when he was inducted into the Hall of Fame thanking John Thompson for saving his life and how emotional he was and just all the accolades that people gave him. Of course, you know, all the basketball related stuff, but people don't understand, people that are not black don't understand the power of having a John Thompson in your life when you don't come from the best of circumstances. Having somebody like that in your corner pushing you, believing in you, having you think and that you can do and achieve and be more than be just a basketball player. Um, so the impact that he had cannot be discounted. And again, another loss. This has been a, a very, very rough week. So my heart goes out to, of course, 
his family, his loved ones, all the players that he touched over the course of his very, very long career, um, the people that love and cared about him. So RIP. Absolutely. Absolutely. Drees, what's your thoughts, man? John Thompson, the second uh, passed away this week, just a, a giant in life and a giant in basketball. Your thoughts on his passing? Man, an amazing man, an amazing talent, an amazing life. Nook, I'm like you. I had the Georgetown Hoyas gear when I was like young. And I remember all my friends and I couldn't probably tell you where Georgetown was, like what city it was in, nothing like that's Even before I thought about going to college, I knew Georgetown and I knew the Hoyas. Absolutely. Absolutely. So yeah, uh, again, uh, John Thompson, the third, John Thompson, the second son is, uh, was coach uh, one time at Georgetown. And now uh, I believe, uh, Patrick Ewing is coach uh, at Georgetown. So that's come full circle. And, um, you know, again, hats off uh, to the Thompson family. Again, a maker and molder of men uh, here in the nation's capital and beyond. Um, I want to give a special shout out to rest in peace to uh, Clifford Robinson, one of my Buffalo homeboys. He played at Riverside High, 17 seasons in the NBA, which is not an easy thing in any way, shape or form. Scored about 20,000 points. Uh, most notably uh, famous with his uh, for his stint with the Portland Trailblazers. Uh, did make it to the finals, and I believe, 93 against Jordan. Uh, that was the shrug game where Jordan hit, I think, five or six threes in the first quarter. And, uh, you know, uh, Mike went 6-0 and in those. But uh, to have uh, basketball excellence uh, in the person of Clifford Robinson uh, playing that NBA finals was uh, a big uh, notch in the belt uh, for Buffalo basketball. Again, he started at uh, University of uh, Connecticut and uh, had a 17-year career uh, in the NBA. So shout out to, to Cliff Robertson and uh, uh, to his family. Uh, we say uh, rest in peace uh, to Cliff. Uh, died in the Portland area where, uh, again, he made his name and made his fame in the NBA and uh, just a sad, sad uh, passing. Um, let's go ahead and do a shift now, Drees. Um, the NBA, we talked about uh, the players' boycott uh, on the last episode. It did last for three days. Uh, football, some practices were canceled. Major League Baseball boycotted some games. I was very surprised to see the NHL with as few black players as they have in the NHL uh, step up, and they canceled some games. And even even Major League Soccer also uh, boycotted some games and drawing uh, attention, uh, obviously, to what's taking place in this country. So, um, Drees, just your thought on uh, the players shutting down uh, sports. And talk to me about this. Um, in, year, in the year 2020, we have people that are empowered yet that – aren't inclined to do the right thing. And essentially for black America and conscious America, we're relying upon athletes for them to use their power and really draw attention to these things and show them their power as opposed to them doing the right thing uh, in the non sort of uh, sports and entertainment field. Your thoughts on that, bro. First of all, athletes are people first, right? Athletics is something they do it's a way that they, um, you know, express themselves. It's a way that they entertain us. But they're people first, right? They're, you know, men and women and um, their sisters, brothers, um, you know, mothers, fathers, all that first. And so they have a right to speak because all of this affects their lives personally. And so to say that they shouldn't be speaking or shouldn't be speaking out, um, is wrong. They should be, you know, at the forefront, right? Because they have a platform. And I'm so glad that athletes are stepping up and using their platform 
in order to make this world better. Um, the other thing I want to add is that a lot of folks have been kind of, you know, talking about, you know, athletes and how they should, um, you know, use their platform to make things better. That is true, but it's also up to the owners of these teams to step up and do us right. The athletes should not have to strike and push the owners to use a stadium as a voting location. You know, citizens often give tax breaks to sports stadiums so they can be built, so they should be given back to communities. So it's not just on the athletes, it's on the team owners as well. Absolutely, absolutely. T. Patty, we talked about this on the last episode. Things are just sort of coming into play. They did shut down the, the NBA, the players did, uh, for three days. Uh, had the meetings uh, with the owners, uh, with, uh, you know, Commissioner Silver, who I think just deserves a Nobel Peace Prize nomination for all that he's had to do um, coming in day one and dealing with that fuck shit with Donald Sterling and the Clippers. As you say, glad we got him out of the paint. Uh, Adam Silver name checked all the NBA greats from day one when he came in, laid down the law and said he was not going to tolerate it, uh, got the fines, you know, to the letter of the law. Uh, and uh, did get Donald Sterling out of the ownership uh, bracket. And he's had to deal with this as well uh, in terms of his uh, short tenure as NBA commissioner. So your thoughts on the players shutting down and boycotting and, you know, just your overall thoughts about the other sports joining in and just what this says about uh, the days and times that we're in in America right now. Well, first of all, I want to say that this is a result of uh, – the WNBA let has been doing this work for years. Um, so they have been sort of at the forefront for these kinds of conversations. Um, and I think have been a blueprint for the NBA and some of the activism that we're seeing there, as well as Naomi Osaka um, boycotting her, her tennis match um, and coming out with a very powerful statement as well. So I believe it's the right thing for them uh, all to be doing. It is a shame that it requires uh, athletes who are simply doing their job and who also entertain us are taking the the vanguard on this instead of people who are actually charged with doing the right thing um, and and speaking out for the good of the people. But I'm glad that they are, despite the... Uh, foolishness that comes their way um despite the loss of opportunities in Colin Kaepernick's case the loss of his job and now here comes Roger Goodell four years later talking about uh, we should have listened to Colin Kaepernick like are you for real trash um but kudos to them uh keep the pressure up so yes the NBA and their uh the players in their talks with the owners trying to get them to come back to play, um, have decided to open up the arenas to be polling places, which is easy math. That's something that should have already been in place. So glad to see that happening. And I want them to see, keep the pressure up, keep the pressure, keep the foot on their neck to make them do the right thing because they're not going to voluntarily do it. It doesn't affect them. But uh, players boycotting affects their bottom line. So whatever it takes to get, the right thing to happen, then I'm all for it. Absolutely. Again, uh, shout out to the players for shutting down the league for three days and 
using and continuing to use their platform to draw attention to the plight of uh, systemic uh, racism and uh, injustice uh, towards people of color and, and you know people here in America. Um, no, before before you get into that, I do want to say one last thing just about this, and it's the difference between Adam Silver and um, Roger Goodell, right? And you have two very different responses of like CEOs of large, you know, corporations, right? That span nationally and sometimes globally. You know, when you think about where we are as a country, if a CEO of a company isn't well versed in systemic racism and issues of justice, it's almost like you are incompetent for your job. Like it's almost a, a requirement these days that you're aware of that and you know how to operate in it and you're actively fighting against it. And this is examples of kind of what you see, um, you know, when it comes to sports leagues. But I, I would say it's the same when it comes to any, you know, corporation or business or organization in our country. It's a skill set that you have to have now and in the future when you think about CEOs and running large corporations. Absolutely. Absolutely. That, that's a very good point, bro. Very good point. Uh, if you don't know what's going on in the streets and, you know, as far as your employees or uh, owners or, you know, the members uh, of, uh, you know, your players union and what's going on, you sunk at this point. And that doesn't apply just to sports. That just applies to, to business in general. So spot on. Very good uh, comment, bro. It's very educational. Um, again, uh, you know, the NBA shut down because of the shooting of Jacob Blake seven times in the back by a uh, one officer there in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Uh, we did find out uh, that uh, the injuries uh, do appear to be permanent now for Jacob Blake, uh, a vertebrae shattered, uh, a vertebrae a vertebrae split. Uh, also, he's lost uh, much of uh, his uh, um, intestines uh, at this point and uh, is paralyzed, uh, they do believe now, from the waist down. Um, what really came to light this week and what really ticked me off was that uh, he was handcuffed uh, to the bed uh, because he was facing some felony charges, which have since been dropped. But just the hypocrisy and just uh, the ludicrousness of uh, everything that's that's just gone on uh, in, in that case. Um, I mean, like T. Petty said, we can play the comments over and over again, but every time it's just a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more just hypocrisy and just madness, just inhumane treatment of human beings uh, here in America, and especially, again, a uh, unarmed uh, citizen shot seven times in the back, just one of the most uh, cowardice things that you could do. So, T. Petty, take the wheel and um, you know just share your thoughts on, on what's come to light uh, lately as far as the uh, Jacob Blake shooting is concerned. I mean, what do I say every time we talk about this? Just run back the comments from last week, the week before that, the week before that. It's all the same. I will just sum it up by saying this. White people should be glad that black people don't burn this shit to the motherfucking ground. They should wake up every day and be grateful that we have not gotten to the point where we want more than just equality. That we want revenge for the repeated flagrant constant offenses against us are against our humanity you insult our intelligence you shoot somebody in the back seven times and then handcuff him like where the hell is he gonna go you're just trying to reinforce 
the fact that you can do whatever you want to us with no repercussions. And I'm fucking sick of it. I'm tired of it, especially when you contrast it with uh, what's that little white boy's name? I'm sure we're going to get to him later. Kyle Rittenhouse. Yes. yes. You contrast the, the, the difference between those two things. But you could do the, contra- the contrast between a black person who has been accosted or murdered in this manner versus any other random chad on the street. Like I am so goddamn sick and tired of this. I just don't even know what to do or say anymore at this point. Yeah, yeah totally uh, agree. You're spot on with that, uh, T. Petty. Uh, bro, we talked about it before that uh, American law enforcement has its roots in slave catching and, um, you know, uh, not much has changed in 400 years. Uh, your thoughts on the development uh, in the uh, the Jacob Blake case of uh, the felony charges dropped, but the handcuffing to the bed, um, you know, bro, just 100 percent unacceptable. Yeah, Nook and T. Patty, this is just another example of, you know, the violence that's inflicted upon the black body. You know, if we think about um, Jacob Blake being shot in the back, you know, seven times, um, being shackled to the bed, even though they know he's paralyzed. It's just, um, you know, this attempt um, to control the black body, a disregard for the black body. And, you know, we feel this deeply. Like um, I was on a call with some, you know, colleagues who happen to be black um, this week. And that's all we could talk about was like, you know, this, what was going on in Kenosha and, and, and Jacob Blake, like you feel it every single, you know, minute of every single day. And this is uh, just another painful, horrible expression of that. And, um, you know, T. Petty is right. Like, I think black people are not only just exhausted, but we're like angry. You know, you're just angry. And there's almost kind of nowhere to kind of put that anger. We try to make it productive and push towards justice. But it, it's still there. It, it kind of permeates everything that we have to deal with and we have to regulate and, and kind of monitor uh, as we go through life. Mm. Dries, your thoughts on the white protester who um, whatever group or, or side he was on and the shooting there and that, uh, you know, Cheeto uh, 45 even refused to come out and to condemn uh, that shooting. And, and in fact, said that compared the shooting of Jacob Blake to a golfer not finishing a putt. The, the police essentially did not finish their job in shooting Jacob Blake. Your, your thoughts on if you heard, I don't know if you heard those comments or not, but you know, what's your reaction to that? Yeah, I, I definitely heard those comments. And we, we mentioned last week on the, on the last episode of digital gumbo, you know, about the shooter, right? They had just kind of identified this 17 year old, you know, white male who had shot, you know, two, two protesters, uh, and it was just a developing story, and we've come to kind of know the name of the of that person, and we've gotten some more of uh, his background, and we've also learned more about his interactions with the police. And, you know, I mentioned before I was talking with some um, work colleagues who happen to be Black on the phone, and we mentioned, like, the Jacob Blake shooting, but then we were saying we're even probably more concerned about the shooting of the protesters that took place, right? Because this was a white guy who came from out of state, armed, shot and killed protesters, and was able to just pal around with the police. 
and was able to leave the scene and go back home. And still he's sitting in a Illinois jail, not even kind of brought back to Wisconsin and may not be brought back, you know, depending on how things go. And you just see this tale of two justice systems, right? The justice system for Jacob Blake and the justice system for Kyle Rittenhouse. Spot on, bro. Spot on. T. Petty, uh, again, uh, your thoughts. I know you're not going to mince too many words or waste too much breath on Cheeto 45's comments about the shooting, comparing that to a ball from missing a putt, but also the treatment of uh, the uh, 17-year-old who uh, shot protesters and just uh, the uh, inequities uh, in the justice system here in America for unarmed black citizens as opposed to these quote-unquote militia fools. So I have no comment, no energy for some people's president. So we're just going to skip on past that and talk about this white boy who came from out of state in order to commit a crime. Let's be clear. He brought an assault rifle. He went looking for trouble and he deliberately shot and killed uh, two people and wounded a third. Um, And after murdering the first person, the protesters were, were chasing him down, yelling to the police that he just shot and killed somebody. And he was able to just diddy bop his mayonnaise colored ass right past the police assault rifle still in hand and went home and slept in his bed um, that night and then was allowed to turn himself in. So 17 years old and we see the, I'm doing air quotes with my fingers, listeners, the Christian organizations that have started to go fund me for him and raising I'd last count over a hundred thousand dollars and all this rhetoric from these people about what well, he was being attacked. What else could he do? And basically it's just like a green light. Just go in into these communities where, where we're protesting the injustices against, uh, uh, against the black community and just shoot us open season. The police are going to support it. And I don't want to hear no bullshit about uh, it's a few bad apples. No, 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 no. The entire everything, the organization from root to tip needs to be completely dismantled and rebuilt Um, because you can't reform somebody that doesn't want to be reformed. You can see in their actions after they shot Jacob Blake in the back, handcuffed him to the bed. But meanwhile, this murderer, 17 year old boy. Well, I'm gonna call him a man because they, when we're 12 year old, 12 years old, we we are grown people, right? Tamir Rice was a grown up, right? Michael Brown was grown, Trayvon Martin grown, right? So you don't get that that cloak of innocence because you're white and you're a teenager. Um, so just to see the disparate treatment, and they just steady playing in our faces like that's not what it is, and I'm. I, along with millions of us, are no longer with the bullshit, like at all. Not interested in it. Don't care about any of this. And I don't know what's going to happen with this little boy or uh, what's his name, Rittenhouse. But I have a feeling that it's not going to be what we need to see happen. Because after all, he was protecting whiteness. T. Petty, you are so right. Cheeto 45 was defending Cal Rittenhouse saying that he was defending himself from 
an angry mob or an angry group of, of, of folks. And if he didn't do that, you know, his life would have been in danger. But he went to a protest armed with an assault rifle, came from out of state with an assault rifle. And so you knew what his intentions were with the shoot people. If you got an assault rifle and you go to um, a, a city and you're going to walk the streets with that assault rifle, your intention is to shoot someone. And that's what he did. Kill two people. Spot on. Um, we're just going to have to lead us here uh, for now. Um, again, just um, nothing's changed in 400 years. Uh, the main thing that uh, we're going to talk about, I'll get into my, uh, you know, um, voting uh, registration message, uh, you know, in a little bit. But um, that's what we hear, right? Vote or die, 2020, literally. Uh, coronavirus, uh, what's happening in the streets, so many uh, other ways uh, and things that happened here in, in 2020. So, um, Adrice, we had a little bit of unfinished business for episode 21. Just this whole, uh, give us a synopsis on your take on this, you know, sort of, uh, postal system walls, uh, taking the mailboxes out, taking the sorter, uh, the mail sorting systems out. Even found out that there were uh, some political mailings in the state of uh, Maryland, 68,000, I believe, in one post office uh, outside of Baltimore that were just left. They weren't ballots, but uh, again, uh, the, the mail was just sat upon. And that's just one small story as to, to what's happening with the postal system. So just uh, give us uh, your brief synopsis on, on what's going on with this uh, postal system right now, bro. You know, people would do anything to win when they would destroy the postal service just to prevent folks from being able to vote. So it's, it's not just like targeting individual kind of voters or particular voting block, which they're trying to do. They're just targeting an entire system. And it's like, we don't care if this entire system crash or is delayed or it, it just shuts down we're going to achieve our objectives. Like that's how bad it is. And, you know, I, I am afraid that even though Congress is trying to act and hold them accountable, you know, it might be too little too late because a lot of the damage has been done to the postal service already. And so, you know, we did get this injunction to stop it, but how are you going to repair it and repair it in time for the election? Mm-hmm. T. Petty, tell us, tell us, some of the listeners might know, tell us who Mike DeJoy is, one, and then talk a little bit about now, I believe there's a refusal by uh, uh, someone in the postal system to refuse to um, essentially live up to the letter of the law of any subpoenas or being called before um, Congress between now and God knows whenever as to them not answering any questions about the postal system, whatever, the United States Postal System. So Louis DeJoy is a Mango Mussolini appointee to be to be Postmaster General. He has tens of millions of dollars invested in uh, post office competitors. He runs or ran a logistics company called XPO, which that may sound familiar to some of our users because that is a company that delivers Peloton sometimes. Um, So he um, running post office now and immediately upon his um, appointment, he began instituting or overseeing all of these drastic changes. So locking, um, mail collection boxes, removing them by the truckload, uh, 
going in and destroying sorting uh machines, taking them out of commission. So he's he's come in, he's instituted all these drastic changes, he's cut overtime. He said, if you don't have your mail delivered by the end of your normal shift, then just leave it until the next day. All kinds of things that have not happened in the history of the Postal Service. Um, So he was called before Congress last week. So I I did waste my time and watch uh, both some portions of the House and the Senate uh, committee hearings and just the contempt that he has. For our elected officials, I wanted to come through the screen and slap him in his face. So the changes that are happening are not going to be reversed. He said that they won't be reversed. So what we have to do is uh, circumvent the bullshit the best way we know how. So there is a group of our our friend group. We are sort of like mobilizing around how we can um, assist in making sure people's ballots are returned following, of course, the guidelines by the state, like we're going to have to pull out all stops to overcome what is trying to be done to dismantle both the post office as well as what's purported to be the greatest democracy on the face of the earth, which has been exposed as a sham. So I don't know how this is going to turn out, to be honest. I I really don't. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm just going to repeat the same messages that we've been talking about, right? Uh, The taping of this podcast comes now less than 60 days before Election Day. We already been told you. Register today. Get that taken care of. For all intents and purposes, if you want to use the mail system, the real Election Day is October 1st. Um, If you're going to go ahead and vote in person November 3rd, but no rules, uh, you got to expect delays. Uh, Again, the fix is in. Uh, we talked about the October 1st date. You want to uh, check uh, your counties, your states, uh, ballot sort of guidelines. Make sure it's letter perfect and, and to the letter of the law. Again, uh, less than eight weeks to go until November 3rd, Election Day. Um, again, the revolution will be tele- will not be televised. Uh, P-Funk used to say, if you ain't going to get it on, take your dead ass home. So go ahead and register today. Get registered. Get your ballot in the mail. Make sure that your registration card is correct. Whatever you need to vote, make sure to have that and the whole nine yards. Make sure everything is crystal clear. And then again, um, don't be player hating from the sidelines. If you didn't vote, I don't want to hear any complaints. This, that, and the third, the whole nine yards. You got to get in the game. Like it has never been more important to vote this year. And a whole lot of people that never voted before are going to vote. So we definitely want to go ahead and make sure that you're in the game, that you're registered to vote on the rolls, and the best and safest thing to do is to get a paper ballot and drop that off at a locked mailbox at your board of elections. But again, check your cities, your states, your counties' uh, guidelines, and make sure that everything is to the letter of the law. T. Petty, I got some shout-outs, but uh, you got any final thoughts before I go ahead and do my shout-outs and we close this one out? Oh, man. So, y'all, take care of yourselves. Uh, Get your colon colonoscopies. I know the guidance, I believe, is you don't get your first one till 50. Let it be known that Chadwick Boseman was diagnosed with colon cancer at the age of 39. So especially my men, black men, y'all don't be wanting to go to the doctor. I don't know what the hell is wrong with y'all. Get to the doctor for your annual checkups. Start having these discussions with your physicians. Um, Fight for the diagnostic tests for um, illnesses 
and diseases that befall us either earlier or more aggressively. Fight with your insurance companies. Do what you have to do so y'all can stay with us for longer. And uh, register for vote. Register to vote. Vote early, but not often. Absolutely. Absolutely. Words from T. Fetty. I definitely like that. Dries, before we get out of here, what's your final thoughts, bro? Hey, this has been a hard week for everybody. And I know it's um, just really discouraging, but I want to encourage everyone to take all that like energy, that anger, that frustration and channeling it into like how you make things different. So whether that is um, figuring out how you organize people to um, vote and get their ballot in uh, to how you uh, might want to take part in protests that are happening, but use that energy and that anger towards making things better. Absolutely. Absolutely. Totally agree. So uh, we'll get some more links uh, up in the episode description. Uh, I got some shout outs. I want to give a shout out to my uncle Don. I'm in uh, his uh, his office right now recording this uh, episode. So shout out to him. He specifically told me uh, to give a double finger to anybody that's a Trump supporter. Um, he don't give a damn. And uh, Uncle Don, right, yes, uncle. uncle Don said double Trump to all double finger to all the Trump supporters. So we just going to go ahead and leave that there. Labor Day is coming up. Uh, he worked on the railroads and was a veteran for so many years and put his kids uh, through college and supported them. So shout out to him and shout out to my auntie Ronnie, my aunt Veronica, uh, who is retired, but now knows more about homeschooling than I do uh, here with my niece uh, here uh, with the fam. So she's uh, running the classroom here. So shout out to her and shout out to all the parents and grandparents that have been called back into duty uh, after so many years of uh, putting their kids uh, through school and making it happen uh, for the babies uh, that's going with that. And last but not least, I got to give a shout out to uh, Mrs. Nook celebrating our wedding anniversary today. 14 years of groom, 14 years of bride. Congratulations. uh, Congratulations. Hashtag black love. There it is. So I want to thank her for (laughs) putting up uh, with uh, foolishness and silliness and all that stuff. And uh, just thank her uh, unendingly for her love. Uh, small ways, large ways, but every day. So uh, definitely. God bless, God bless her. Yes. Thank, <laughs> thankful for all of that. All of that. So um, again, uh, Digital Gumbo Podcast, follow us on our social media channels on IG and Twitter at the Digital Gumbo. Um, and uh, you can email the show, thedigitalgumbo at gmail.com, thedigitalgumbo at gmail.com. And website is coming soon, thedigitalgumbo.com, thedigitalgumbo.com. You can go in right now while the site is under construction. Give us an email address. We'd be happy to send you a notification when a new show drops. And again, we're in four separate locations with some big technological challenges. So shout out one more time to producer E. e. Thank you so much, brother, for making the way when uh, you know these. Uh, yes, when you know all these uh, sort of technological things have uh, snafus and the whole nine yards, and we're no different than your favorite podcast that are now starting to come back face to face. Hopefully, that day will be uh, one day soon. But for now, uh, producer E is putting it together and making it happen. So we definitely, uh, definitely thankful to him. All right, y'all. I think I'm about to go have me an anniversary margarita. Y'all good? Mm, yeah, you better have two. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna have two. Not, not if they margaritas that he makes. Woo! 
We out of here. One love. Be safe. And we'll talk to y'all next time on the Digital Bumbo Podcast. Peace, Peace everybody. Bye, y'all.